other words, they told me that they were suspending me under clause 9.1. Budget to ensure financial stability amid rising costs of everyday living. You have to tell us more about family finance. In today's world, listeners are complex and multidimensional, and it's a little cumbersome to toggle back and forth from channel to channel trying to get your fix. We feel your podcast should be just as diverse as you. Welcome to Fred Talks where the topics are as layered and multifaceted as you are, with a dash of inspiration and a little bit of an edge. Hey, welcome to another episode of Fred Talks, the catalyst for crucial conversations for the culture. In today's episode, we walk carefully through the tension that comes with being a soldier of the Army of the United States while also being a soldier in the Army of the Lord. And listening in one means you are willing to kill your enemies, if necessary, while the other commands you to love your enemies. Military veteran Michael Gonzalez shares how he wrestled with these conflicting ideas and much, much more. After the ground rules, we'll get right into part one of this two-part conversation. This probably doesn't need to be said, but of course, we're gonna say it anyway. The views and opinions expressed on Fred Talks podcast are not to be misconstrued as professional advice, counsel, gospel, a personal attack, law, guarantees, a substitution for hardware, a one-size-fits-all formula for every scenario, or any type of promise. It's a podcast, y'all. Come on. You know you need to consult a credentialed professional before making a hasty or significant change with your life. Don't you? Don't you? Of course you do. Now, be encouraged by the show. Be entertained by the show. Be challenged to cross-examine some of your long-held beliefs. Note, the host and his guests have strong views held loosely. Being committed to lifelong learning means that the perspectives may change in light of information. That's not contradiction. That's evolution. So please, don't come for us. Unless we send for you. Now that we have an understanding, let's get back to today's episode of Fred Talks. All right, my brother, Michael Gonzalez. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Good, doing good. Recovering from a little sickness. Oh, uh, man. But, yeah, but I, I'm on my first vacation in almost three years. <laughs> Really? So I've, okay. Yeah, man. Cause I, yeah, I'm, I'm recently moved to Philly. And so like mm-hmm. just all the transition, I've been like doing full-time school, full-time work for the last yeah. two years. And, and so after graduating, I'm finally just doing work. And so I actually yeah. been able to enjoy like a Christmas break. So it's been, it's been lovely. Word up, man. So shout out, not just to you for grinding, but I know when one person is all in like that, the whole family the impact. So shout mm-hmm. out to the missus. Oh yeah, for uh, holding it down, and uh, and the kids, and um, especially your little man. Not just because he's a man, but a man child, but because uh, he's the newest addition to the family. Man, how's how's he holding up? He's doing good. He's doing good. He's been a little sick as well, but it ain't been like where it's like caused him to be fussy. He just kind of right. like had a you know a little congestion, but he's been good. He actually three months tomorrow. So, wow, man, man. Yeah, he's growing up so quick. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so you got two, right? Yeah, I have two girls. Um, okay. Six, six-year-old, five-year-old, Eva and Mia, and then my, my son, Michael. Uh, people like yourself, um, what I think is really powerful about how you process information is you challenge people in a gentle way so they're not, they're not going to shut down. But as you are externally processing 
and you're finding your voice and you're solidifying your voice, you help other people find their voice. And if that's all I accomplish, uh, then, then I can be content, content with that, man. So, and man, um, with it. you and I, we crossed a virtual paths. I want to say it's maybe been two, maybe even three years ago. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was through past the mic or something, but we were, uh, we were in the same space. A lot of what you share resonate, uh, with me. And, uh, it's been amazing to observe and to be inspired by your evolution, you know, and you can kind of see it. I mean, as, as we all can, right. When Facebook memories pops up and you're like, man, you look back like, man, I was on that. I mean, even when you yeah. had an exchange and you said some things like yeah. I had to go back and apologize to some folks, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wilding. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> me too. Part of the journey. <laughs> yep, yep. So, um, but even in your evolution, there's some things that I know about you that uh, remain constant, such as a hit, you're a hip hop head, you're a hooper, you're a devout Christian, you're a family man, uh, you're an avid reader, and a lot of the authors that you uh, get into, um, you know, I, I have some of their work on my library or queued up in my Kindle as well. Um, and if I'm correct, you are a future PhD or is that where you just graduated from? PhD? Not even close. <laughs> oh, okay. I just, yeah, yeah. I, 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 most of my life I've avoided school. Um, that's mm. actually why I joined the military was to not go to school. So I, the, the most I have is an associate's degree. So, really? No, like, yeah. That's the most I got. I've avoided school. Um, I didn't. I didn't think I wanted to go to school and it wasn't until yeah. recently, like as I've gotten older and I've, you know, been reading more where the desire to go to school has increased. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I went to school to like be a teacher. And, you know, like now as I like have like wanting to plan a church in the future, I might, I might attend seminary. I actually know a seminary that you don't, you don't have to have a bachelor's to um, actually attend. They allow like 10% people yeah. um depending on like the type the type of person that you are um to to get a, a seminary level degree which i i think mm. i could get pretty easily i don't think that would be a challenge for me but not the way but, yeah, you, man. the way you devour books man i don't think it'd be a problem at all which is also why i think um i imputed more credentials to you i mean you know you, you sound you come off well read you know so you may not have the formal education but uh yeah. you're definitely not an un, uneducated brother you know yeah yeah i definitely I read wide, I read deep across, you know, across generation, cross tradition, um, mm-hmm. because I know that I have my blind spots and I find that that's, that's helped me to be a more well-rounded thinker. Um, yeah. and I think, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so, um, so the goal is to be a teacher. Um, or actually I want to, a... I want to co-plant a church, um, actually pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I wish you the best in whichever direction you go. I was, I was really getting excited. Um, not that I'm not excited about, you know, you doing the pastor, uh, but, uh, you know, man, it's just a shortage of brothers, uh, uh, you know, as teachers, man, I go and drop my kids off at yeah. school and I'm just like, you know, um, shout out to the ladies holding it down. But I mean, just the, you know, representation matters. That's all I'm trying to get at. You know, representation matters, not just oh, male yeah. presence. But black yeah, male prayer, yeah. you know. And in the center that I teach at, I teach pre- preschool age children, and there's only two black men. Um, it's me and another guy, another friend of mine. And I love yeah. it. Like, 
when I, if, if, you know, and obviously co-planting uh, co is like up in the air. Cause I don't know who I'll be in the next few years, but mm. if I do leave, it's not going to be easy because I'm already like falling in love with the children, like seeing yeah. like how important my presence is there with all the children, really. Like I'm, a, I'm like, yeah. to be a very diverse classroom, Chinese, black, white, mm. ages three mm. through five, you know, kids, you know, facing particular challenges, family challenges. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this is where, this is where I want to be at, you know? And I think yeah. that's what makes me the idea of being a pastor. So, um, so like appealing because I love to like be present with people and help equip people to like flourish in life, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what, that's what teachers are, are particularly doing is their goal is to mm-hmm. help, you know, equip, equip children um, to flourish. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints for the, uh, yeah. for the equipment of saints for the work. Yeah. 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 And so, mm-hmm. I mean, man, and if you can do it with kids, of that age, yeah. man, the adults, that'd be a, that'd be a, a cakewalk, man. And that's no shade to kids, yeah. but I'm just saying the type of energy that they have, their curiosity. Ooh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. So, it, um, yeah, it's, it's really helping me because with three to five year olds, we're like responding. We're like we call it a relationship based approach where we're not coming <laughs> with like this pre prepackaged curriculum and like, kind of like, all right, this is what you're going to learn today. But rather we're mm-hmm. observing what the kids' interests are, we're observing where they are developmentally, and we're meeting them mm-hmm. where they are, and then like creating an environment where they can actually like play and interact, and then we kind of come alongside them and like foster learning that way. And I really that's think awesome. that that's kind of what pastoral ministry is: is you're not simply trying to impose yourself on people, but you're meeting people where they are, seeing where they are, and saying, okay, how can I help this person based on where they are and what they need, not necessarily what I think I can say because I'm an expert or something like that. So, yeah. It's yeah. definitely can huge I, for my own formation. Okay, so why pastor, man? If you are already fulfilled where you're at, you already see the need, and I ask this respectfully, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. But um, there's pastors. I mean, there's no shortage of pastors, man. Uh, but there is a shortage of, you know, your presence in the school system. Um, yeah. Why do you, um, why are your sites set on the pastor? If you have to prioritize it, why, why are you aspiring to pastor more and not just be planted where you're at right now? And that's not to say you can't be bivocational. That's not to say yeah. that, you know, yeah. seasons don't change. I recognize that, you know, you can be called to something and it doesn't mean that you're called to that station forever. So I recognize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, to me, man, that's a really good question. Because you can table that, because <laughs> I know I probably caught you off guard. So you know. Yeah. Um, no, no. I want to answer because I think it's a good question. Um, okay. I think it's kind of like the why plant more plant churches when it's like there's already mm-hmm. a bunch, and in my yeah. mind I'm just like, but and this probably will lead into other questions like, but are the quality of churches that are out there like to me it's like quality over quantity, and. Yeah. I, I just know that there's a, there's a generation of people who are struggling connect with, with the church, with the people of God. Right. Um, right. And I'm finding that a lot of pastors that, that I see, they just, they're not able to really connect. Um, and yeah. like, and even the way that we do church, I'm looking at pastors and 
you can like people can just read the stats like the way that we do church is pa- pastors function more like ceos um right. in many in many contexts um and not like pastors like they're disconnected from the people um they're not actually really equipping them to flourish and to like be human you know like yeah. pastors are simply they have this grand vision and they're just looking for volunteers to kind of fulfill their vision um and i think we have a lot of that mm-hmm a mentor of mine says this. You, you know the scripture yeah, talks about uh, without a vision, the people perish. Uh, he said yeah. it this way, though. But while while that's true, um, but with the vision, the people perish because the vision of the pastor for his or her ministry is so grand and so weighty that they wear the people out to fulfill, you know, yeah. the vision that they have. You know, I mean, and you yeah. you can see that yeah. too. I'm just kind of adding to your point. Yeah, but. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I feel like as a person who's just been following Jesus for a little over 11 years, I just sense like this, this disconnect between what pastors mm-hmm. think is going, going on, like, and mm-hmm. like they call the pews and what's mm-hmm. actually happening. And so mm-hmm. I see that in like, aside of just like this, this desire where like, since I've been following Jesus, this desire to like lead and teach in that role has always been like just a passion. But like even more so, especially like in today's world with like the the polarization and like you have many churches where like, ah, we don't really do justice. And some are like, yeah, Yeah. we do. And then like you said, they burn people out because it's like, we're going to change the whole world. And I'm like, you're asking like, like people, a lot of people like me working full time Mm -hmm. job, full time uh, Mm -hmm. uh, student to change the world. I'm like, man, I'm I'm just trying to like pass my my (laughs) midterm. You know, so so I'm like, how do we how do we make that connection? And I feel like as I'm, I want to be be a type of pastor who can actually make that connection. And I just don't know if there's many out there who are doing that. So you that's know? commendable, man. Uh, I salute you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I got another question there, man. I mean, yeah, <laughs> man. We 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 said we're gonna talk about one thing, but shoot, I mean, hey, <laughs> let's just flow. <laughs> yeah, let it flow. So, um, so. Your heart, man. I love your heart, man. I've said this like publicly on Twitter. Like, I mean, gosh, man, the, the way your authenticity and your willingness to say, you know, I don't know something, or just your the humility um, that you bring with you as you approach certain things. Even in this, you're like, hey, man, no shade, but I see where we can improve upon it and all this stuff. I love all that, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, what would you say if somebody said, oh, you think? you're going to change X, Y, Z, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. gener- this is, you know, there's always a chasm between generations, right? Like the younger yeah. generation yeah. always has critique of the older generation of their elders. Right. Yeah. And not only that, mm-hmm. um, isn't it Jesus who said, um, no man who has tasted of the old wine will straightway desire the new, like, like, yeah. If, if these pastors are so content with the old wine, and they got a well-oiled machine because they got a little bit more min- more momentum, you know. Yeah. Um, you you ready for that uh, battle, if you will? You ready for to, to rage against the machine, if you will? And I ask this because I hear some of what um, some of what some of the ideas that I had. You know, I was like, okay, I'm a still pastor because I used to be a pastor and I was uh, an associate pastor, not the senior pastor. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. I still feel like there's people that I could probably reach, I could do it a different way. And then, you know what, at the end of the day, man, I was like, you know what, two things. I said, it's hard to rage against a machine. 
And they actually mm-hmm. crucified people that rage against the machine. People that really stand yeah. like put it in speak truth to power. Um yeah. in any institution, right? But then also, man, I got this kid these kids. And is that mm-hmm. like is that gonna be lucrative enough? Here you are putting in work with school. Um mm-hmm. how are you gonna feed the three kids and wife yourself and you know, and, and change uh, you know, uh, approach this seemingly insurmountable task. And, and I'm, I know I'm asking you this. This may be premature. I'm asking you this, and you haven't even, you know, you're still finishing up school and stuff. So forgive me, man. Uh, but yeah. Have you thought through any of these things? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, so for me, I'm not looking to like change like the church. Um, it's okay. Jesus Church. Jesus is as I work, but um, I do think, and I'm seeing it. Like I'm seeing many of. I have like one of the things that encourages me is I have a lot of connections with even people who have been pastoring for 30 years and they're recognizing like, Hey, we live in a, like I'm getting really nerdy, but like a, a post Christendom like context where it's not, a, the assumption is not that the church is like the spiritual authority and the way we do church that was faithful, maybe 20, 30, four years ago is not how we do it now. And so I'm connected to a lot of men and women who, who noticed that, and are, are giving people the freedom to experiment and to, okay. you know, discern what it looks like to embody new ways of being the church. Um, okay. And so for me, it's not about like, oh, we got to change everything, but it's like, I want to just, I want to be a faithful witness, right? Like I want to yeah. just, I just want to participate in what God is doing in my local context. And, mm-hmm. and really that's it. It isn't really like, you know, I got to like combat all these big organizations like yeah. they probably won't even hear about me, you know what I'm saying? But I do yeah. know that God has blessed me with so much favor already with people. Like I have friends who are like, bro, if you need funding, let me know. And I'm like, yo, we're like five wow. years ahead of the game, you know, but people are already wow. doing that. So, so yeah, so wow. I feel like the Lord is kind of just, he's connected me to people who are thinking, like mm-hmm. and what ways I'm thinking and are doing what I, what I see myself wanting to do. And so I'm able to like learn from them put a lot of that into practice just in like my own setting as a leader in the church that I'm in now. And then hopefully that will like, you know, spur me to imagine new ways of being the church. And honestly, being a teacher, you know, like being a teacher, you don't get paid a lot. <laughs> like, this is true. Uh, yeah. And but you have to work a lot. And, and sometimes I'd be like, man, uh, people always ask me like, is it a big difference? I know we were talking about like me being a vet. People like mm-hmm. ask me, is it different um, being a teacher from being like in the military? And I'm like, not really. Like we're really like <laughs> you're you're dealing with the same type of person. <laughs> like yeah. as a supervisor, I'm getting I'm getting like young men and young women to do things they don't want to do, and like yeah. work through like emotional immaturity and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And like I'm doing the same thing with kids. It's just kind of different, and I'm I'm just getting paid less. And so like I feel like it's kind of like. It's like, it's a real good training ground, honestly. Um, I yeah. heard it said that the real you, like being in the presence of children, like really reveals the type of person you are. Um, yeah. And so like, I'm really like, learn like, like sanctification is really happening as a teacher. Cause I'm, I'm dealing with like some really, really like diverse personalities and kids learning how to process their emotions and process their desires. Yeah. And I'm like having to reckon with my own while trying to reconcile them, like kids all day long. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, man, like this is, 
to me, it's like, it's beautiful. Like, I just love that mess. And I just see wow, the man. church as, like, that's in many ways what, I'm, what I'll be doing. I'm just participating in what God is doing. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm not looking to be a hero. I'm just looking to, like, participate in what God is doing. So. Mm. I love that. Um, so you are participating and you're coming alongside, or you're working where, like, areas are already right for that. You're not just trying to, you're not the salesman showing up trying to convince me first that I have a problem and then sell yeah. me a solution. You are already exactly. dealing with people that say, hey, man, I recognize there's a problem. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I see you. I see you. Yep. All right. So yep. it, it, it's my custom um, when I have a guest to uh, try to get uh, my listeners or the subscribers to, um, to know the person a little bit more deeply. And, and our conversation is trying to take off, but I still want to stick to this, to this custom. And I want to hit you with uh, what would have been an icebreaker question, but we already got going. Um, <laughs> but if you're game for it, I still want to throw this question out at you. You, you good yeah, with that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what fashion, hair, or music trend or style um, would you either like to uh, have returned from the past, you regret embracing or participating in from the past, or, <laughs> would, you like to, or would you like to condemn from the present? So your fashion, <laughs> hair, or music trend style, would you like to return, have returned from the past? I'm an 80s baby, so, you know, you know, like, I came up with cross colors, used jeans, crisscross, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. John Martin. Uh, maybe you regret embracing from the past. Maybe it's a hairstyle. Maybe it's a Gumby. Maybe it's a ducktail. You know, whatever. Uh, or what are you looking at right now? You're like, man, this style, I can't rock with it. You know, you want to condemn it from the present. Yeah. I'm going to go with, like, uh, like, kind of regretting that I embraced in the past. I really regret embracing, like, the, the tall tees. That went down to your knees. <laughs> the t-shirt dresses. <laughs> yeah, I regret that. I remember I remember when all of my friends, we all just stopped like simultaneously. It was almost like we just had like a light bulb moment looking in the mirror, like, yo, we look stupid. <laughs> right on. I remember right on. that. It was terrible. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so far, um, man, we really warming up and getting to know uh <clears throat> The person getting to know uh, another uh, recent discovery of mine, though, is that you served in the military. Um, yeah. But not that just just that you served, but that while you served, you had a radical paradigm shift. Like you're there, mm-hmm. and the environment is the same, but there's a change going on um, within you. So I want to unpack that a little bit. But first, what branch of the military did you serve in, and what was the journey uh, for you to get? into the military. I know you kind of, you alluded to already that you got into it for the benefits, uh, for the, uh, yeah. we said you didn't, you didn't want to go to school, but, uh, what yeah. Point? So what I see, yes, I was in the air force. Um, I served for eight years, two enlistments. Um, I, I joined because, um, initially I started following Jesus. I was actually playing mm-hmm. college basketball before that. <clears throat> um, I was playing college basketball I started following Jesus and honestly, like my desire for like the game just like, like disappeared. Um, Mm. And I didn't know what else I was going to do because in my mind, like I'm the type of person that just kind of goes like when I was young, especially I'm just like, I put all my eggs in one basket. Uh, Okay. And you know, you've always, you know, your parents always say don't do that. And I was like, I look dad, I'm I'm going to play ball overseas. There's there's nothing that's going to stop me. Well, as soon as I started following Jesus, I, I stopped caring about basketball. I called my coach. I'm like, hey, I'm not coming back. And um, Dang, abruptly? Yeah. And just, yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, I just called him. And I just yeah, I said I'm not coming back. And um, I was like, hey, I lived in a really really small town, and yeah. thought it, I was like, if I don't get out of here, I'm going to like get stuck here. And that's that's yeah. typically what happens. It's just it's such yeah. a small town. There's not a lot of opportunities. It's a military town at that. So like military or going to school is your only option. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I just didn't see myself as like doing school and going into debt. So I just joined the military. You know, my my dad was a Marine. My mother was in the Navy. You know, a lot of people, my brother, my older brother is in the Air Force. He still is. So it was just, I guess it was the easy decision. And I never really thought about like whether I should join. I, it was just like, it was just kind of like the air you breathe really. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you grew up around Marines. So it's just like, with, you know, there's no issue. So yeah, well, that's, that's how I got started. Is that because your uh, brother my dad did the Air Force? Well, so my brother, for one, but then my, my dad, he was a Marine, but he actually told me to go into the Air Force because he was just like, you're going to get the same benefits, but uh, it's not going to be as backbreaking. You know, he was a Marine for 20 years, and he's just like, yeah, man, we're running, we're doing stuff, like just physical stuff that's like, you know, like you can do it, but he's just like, man, if you don't have to do it, why would you do it, you know? Mm. And so he... You know, as an older as an older man, he's just like, yeah, go to the Air Force. Uh, you know, of course, like the the stereotype, and I, I think it's kind of true that when you deploy, our conditions are a little better. Not everywhere, but in some places, it's true. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so he was just like, yeah, man, just just go there. So I signed up. I took my uh, the ASVAB, got a pretty high score, and just within a few, well, about five months, yeah, three five months, mm-hmm. I was out. I don't want to go too far from this thought. You mentioned that um, you started following Jesus and uh, mm-hmm. your your affinity for hoping, it, it wanes. So yeah. um, talk to me a little about that, especially because there's going to be some listeners that are either, uh, either they don't understand that or they're going to misunderstand, they're going to misunderstand what you're saying. Are you saying that, um, cl- clarify what you're saying and what you're not saying. Are you saying that oh, and okay, Jesus yeah. are mutually exclusive? Uh, (laughs) no, 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 no. Yeah. I I hear you. Um, no. So for me, it wasn't that I, um, I thought basketball was a problem. It was just Mm -hmm. what I meant. I meant by hooping for me, like when I'm, when people say ball is life for me, like Mm -hmm. ball was life. Like I, during that, during that summer, me and my friend were waking up at five o'clock in the morning and we were working out until one o'clock in the afternoon. Then we would take a break and then we would hoop from six to eight. Like it was life. And so for right. me to say I stopped balling was to say I stopped making it my life. Like, I stopped making it okay. everything. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I still continue to hoop to this day, but it isn't my mm-hmm. life. Like, I, I can lose a game and I'm not, like, uh, like getting ready to fight or I'm, like, I'm not, like, man, I need to go. I remember one time yeah. me and my friend, we lost. Um, we got crushed. And we were just, like, I'm going to go home and go to sleep and wake up and start the day over. <laughs> I feel terrible. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, I can actually be. So I got to yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm able to like play, and I'm actually able to enjoy it without feeling like I have to be the best person. Um, so like, my relationship to basketball changed. Maybe I should say that. So, so would you? Is it fair to say um, that you had an identity built around basketball? Um, oh, absolutely. Because if you okay, and so so I would love to because um, I didn't know you were going there. So. I mean, I would love to hear about that process of kind of losing that identity and the vulnerability mm-hmm. 
that comes with trying to figure out who you are now. And um, that only pop, I'm only picking up on that because I've been in that situation where I gave myself, mm-hmm. I immersed myself in a particular passion project and uh, built an identity around it. And when I let it go, it took a minute. It took probably two, two years, maybe three years to kind of find out, to rediscover or reinvent or redefine whatever who I was. Mm-hmm. Did you have to do that with basketball? Uh, no. Um, like when, when I stopped like giving everything to basketball, like the transition to following Jesus was really simple. Like, and I don't, I could only describe it as like a mystical experience. Not like I seen like some transfigured Jesus or something, but like really like just kind of hearing God speak to me, um, calling me to himself. You know, I grew up in the church. Um, but I was kind of like, I just wasn't really following Jesus. Like, you know, I was shaped by some of the morals of being a, a Christian just because that's where I, my, my environment I was raised in. But ultimately, yeah. I was like kind of just, you know, apathetic to it. But I really yeah. just like Jesus just met me powerfully. And it was from then, like my identity was like getting to know who this guy was. And honestly, like my love for reading and learning was like a part of the package. I'd never mm-hmm. read before becoming a follower of Jesus, like at all. I, I may have yeah. read like a little bit of Slam Ball magazine. I don't know if anybody's yeah. familiar with that. Um, that's yeah. it. We interrupt this episode to express our gratitude for your listenership. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a regular listener, we want to deepen our connection. There are a few ways to do that. First, make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And of course, chances are that if you like the show, your friends will too. So be sure to post, share, and repost on all of your social media outlets. Also, don't be shy. Connect with Fred B on Twitter using the handle at Fred Talks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. After you've completed those two steps, visit the Patreon page at patreon.com slash Fred Talks. Remember, Talks is spelled T-A-L-X. And check out the multitude of ways for you to support. Lastly, if you enjoy the podcast version of Fred Talks, imagine how electric a live Fred Talks session would be. Sure, recordings are great, but when it comes to value, there are some intangibles that require you to be in a live setting to get full impact. The goal is to begin online via the podcast and ultimately take the sessions offline to do the real work of providing solution-oriented, motivational sessions to impact current and emerging leaders of all ages. To get more information about hosting a live Fred Talk session for your staff, students, members, send an inquiry to fredtalks.com to get the conversation started. That's all for now. Let's get you back to the show. So you're done hooping. Uh, you're in the military. Pops told you, hey, um, you could go the Marine route, but Air Force, uh, wh- why not just go to the Air Force? You came up military family. That was also like your environment. Okay. So you're there in the military. You did eight years. At what point do you have this radical paradigm shift, which you write about in your blog? What's the, what's the title of your blog? Um, um, not, not, so not, not this particular the, uh, entry, but just generally uh, your blog. Oh, it's just my name. It's just michaelgonzalez.org. Oh, yeah, I was, I was going to say, so I actually wrote the same story twice. One is on the V3 movement. 
Um, and it's called Nonviolent Confrontation in a War Zone. Um, so this is my third deployment that I'm on. Mm-hmm. I already deployed twice. And, you know, we have a lot of downtime. Um, people don't know, like, even though you're like out there because like your whole life is out there now, like all the things that you would normally be doing at home. Now you're just, you don't have Mm -hmm. that. And so you have a lot of free time. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I'm, you know, even though I'm working 12 hours a day, we're not working 12 hours a day because there's just not, there's just not that much work. So I'm like reading, you know, and I'm already like deeply into reading and I'm just like exploring. And I come across this blog by a guy named Kurt Willems. He's an Anabaptist. Um, and Anabaptists are known for non, like a nonviolent ethic, believing that Jesus teaches a nonviolent ethic. I didn't know this at the time. Um, okay. but he actually had a blog where a military person, um, he's telling his story similar to what I, what I did of how he actually left the military because he was wrestling with the teachings of Jesus. And being me, I'm like, Hmm, I, I've never even thought about that. <laughs> yeah, I never yeah. even thought about like um, the fact that we're our aim here is to kill the enemy. Like we're, regardless of what anybody else says, and maintenance, where I'm, I'm working on F-16 fighter jets. When we go to our yeah. briefings, they're like, "Hey, look, we're here to kill. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah. kill, not yeah. not die, and go home." And man, that like that blog just began to like eat eat my conscience up. And I was just like, yeah. because I'm such a curious person, I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I need to read. And so part of it was just like, let me kind of like just see. And then as I'm reading, I'm like, dang, you know what? Like it, there's really not, I don't really see much in the New Testament that like encourages um, violence. And then I'm like, you know yeah. what? Okay, let me, let me read what the church has said historically. And I'm like, let me go further back and further back and further back. And the further back you go, the more it intensifies that the church has, had this, you, you know, this particular position of nonviolence. And man, I was just conflicted after that. I didn't know, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm there and I'm like, well, but I was yeah. still wrestling with it. And so I'm just reading everything I can get my hands on. I'm reading early church fathers. I'm reading dead, all the dead writers up from the early church to now people who are living now. And then yeah. I read a book by Preston Sprinkle called Fight. And he just kind of slowly, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a Bible person. He just kind of slowly walked through the scriptures, even because, you know, our Bible, like the Bible is a very violent book. Um, there's a lot of yeah. violence. Um, but he shows like how there's this movement, even in the old, uh, the Hebrew Bible, I was about to say the Old Testament, <laughs> the Hebrew Bible, um, where there's this, there's this progressive movement of like, no longer there being war and beating your swords into like and instruments that actually right. help. Pro- yeah. And so, yeah. and then you see Jesus and you're just like, wow, like he's the climax of, of that progressive movement. And I remember it just broke and I was just like, I can't, I can't run from it. I try to find every reason to defend it, but yeah. I was just utterly convinced, you know, I talked to my wife about it. And I was like, yo, I, I can't reenlist. I'm like, I, this is what I believe. And, you know, of course, everyone's like, well, what about this? And what if the guy, somebody comes in to rape your family? And, yeah. and I'm just like, that's, that's always the reason. I'm like, that's not the only like issues of violence that ever comes up, but that's, but, you know, and, and so, yeah, wrestle with that, start sharing with yeah. friends, you know, of course, yeah. I don't think I, 
no person actually has ever like received it well, except for one. And he's a friend of mine who actually just left the military. Uh, I think this, yeah, this year he left. Um, but other than that, most people are like, that's cool for you. Right. But it's, it's okay. never to, to most people it's not practical. It's like, no, you can't actually like live that type of life because the world is just too violent. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're going to want to fight back. And so that's, that's yeah. my typical response. But yeah, I had to, I had to make a decision. You know, I knew I was going to take a huge pay cut financially and a lot of yeah. the comfort that we had as a family because how much money I was making was going to be gone. But yeah, I, I had to make a decision. So my wife was on board, even though she doesn't like, she's not where I am, but because mm-hmm. we're together, she, she respects it. She's like, all right, well, we're going to, we're going to make it work. So, so, so wife getting out. Wife is right. She yeah. gonna ride shotgun. She got the heat. Like you go yeah. ahead and preach Jesus, but she got the cannon ready to go. No, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so my, my, my wife. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you, you got it. Yeah. I was just gonna. I was just gonna comment about her. Like, yeah, she's definitely. She because she's been with me on this journey, and she saw the conflict in me. She knew that yeah. I I wasn't happy where I was working at, and she knew that. Yeah. It was just like, it was just a grievous for me. Like putting the uniform on after a while became like a grievous yeah. thing. And so she was just like, look, I can't have you like that. You know? Yeah. Like it's it's obvious that this isn't just like some, you know, theological uh, thing that you like to talk about. Like this is something that's really weighs heavily on you. It's affecting you like emotionally and mentally. And it's like, all right, yeah. it's yeah. God will care for us, you know? So. Yeah, this wasn't just mental ascent for you. This was like heart transplant. Yeah. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, no matter what people think about your decision, they got to respect that you put action behind it. Like, it cost you something. Yeah, to, to, it did. Um, to live your belief. You know? Yeah, it did. Um, we're, we're still, like, financially. Right. Oh, go ahead. You still I was just going to say, yeah, like, recovering? Like, yeah, like, financially, we, we haven't recovered. <laughs> Like we're still okay. like living in this, on this grind where God mm-hmm. is just like many times having to come from the outside to like provide for us. And I'm just like, and, and so for me, I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, um, but I'm a yeah. five. Yep. Um, I so I'm, not, me, I'm not going to tell you yeah. what I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like I'm a five, which is, you know, like, like a five, just like we love to have things sorted out and, and risk. And fear is like we're prone, like we're we're, we're risk we're risk averse. Um, okay. And I've and God has just been like really engaging that fear, especially of like provision. I didn't know how much money was an idol for me, and man, God has just been He has showed up so faithfully for the last three years, where I'm just like, so, yo. Is, so I'm hoping that uh, the listeners will not. I'm not just trying to appeal to. Uh, Anybody, I'm not trying to appeal to just Christians only as far as subscribers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so with that in mind, I'm going to ask you to kind of um, uh, help us unpack some of this jargon, some of, some of the things that mm-hmm. some of the language that we take for granted, you know, moving around in yeah. space spaces, if you will. So when you say yeah. God showed up um, and he yeah. showed up with a vision. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, some people would ask, some listeners would ask, what do you mean? God walked in your house? Like, can you, can you kind of unpack that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so and I, this probably will lead us into our conversation about the church, but 
<laughs> yeah, so we have found ourselves in, in a tight spot. Um, mm-hmm. And we have found ourselves having to be vulnerable and honest and open about our needs with with the church, you know, God's people. And, you know, with sometimes particularly large amounts of money and just not knowing where it's going to come from. Uh, when I when we moved to Philly, we I didn't have a job lined up. Um, we didn't even have a place to stay. I stayed with my mm. pastors, uh, my pastor, who was also my friend, who just so happened to be my okay. pastor. Um, okay. We stayed with them. And then for the first five months, I didn't have a job. And we were living out of our savings. And it was at the point where, like, we didn't, we had no savings. And yeah. they just came through, lavished, like, gifts on us. Like, lavished, wow. like, paying bills. Um, wow. and then I like got a job, like, a, like literally like the last month, like got a job. And then just from that point on, like through, um, just the church, we've been like, when we've hit a tight spot, we've always had it. Like literally, mm-hmm. I feel like the, the only thing that's kept us not like, uh, going into like massive debt, becoming homeless, maybe, I don't know that far. Yeah, definitely that far. Um, is, mm-hmm. um, is that God's, God's people, like hmm. generous people who are willing to like live like family with, with people who are not their biological family. Like people yeah. who you like, there's people in my, in my community now who I've just, I've only known for a year and yeah, they have, they've literally been lifesavers for us. You know, when no we start ourselves attached. in situations, yeah, no strings attached. No, you got to hmm. pay me back. You know, it, it's not used as leverage over my head. Like, remember when I did that to you? Like, yeah. no, it's just been, it's just been, it's just been like this, this type of, this quality of generosity that you just don't see as the norm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this, it's just been crazy. Like, and so that's what we mean by God showing up is just like God's met our needs through people who actually say that they're following him. Um, so, you know, um, there's this thought that came up in my mind, uh, and I've just been kind of chewing on it for a little bit since maybe Monday. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's Thursday at the time of our recording. And uh, it's this thought, um, you know, God's strength is made perfect in our weakness and his grace is sufficient. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, got a, I, got a, I got a family emergency going on, and that just kind of anchored me, right? And um, not yeah. even in a whole theological or mystical sense, but just even in a practical sense, what I came to realize is that it's when I am willing to be vulnerable enough to own mm-hmm. and, like, sit with my weakness. Like, hey, I don't have the resources or the wherewithal to pull this off. I'm going to need more help. Yeah. Then that's when strength is made perfect, or that's when you even are able to be strengthened. Like, a lot of times we mm-hmm. um, don't make our vulnerability known, so we go without the assistance that we could could have benefited mm-hmm. from. You know, like yeah. it's not even yeah. it's, what I'm trying to say is it doesn't even have to be that deep. Just expressing a weakness. You'd be surprised at how many people are willing to come and provide strength to lend some of their strength. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I was just going to make a comment. Like when we were living in South Carolina, which is where we moved from, we were in the position that other people are in now. Like we were the ones who had a lot of money. We were making the most money in the community we were in. And so when people needed it, we had people living with us or we were giving, you know, buying someone a car or things of that nature. Like wow. we were in that position. Yeah. And, and so moving here, we're like in the reverse. And so yeah. I've been having to like literally learning how to like live in need and live in want, um, or not live in, live in with plenty and then live with need 
and and how learning how to like trust God. It, yeah, like and so it's yeah. it's like a real thing. It's not just like that ain't just scripture for me. I'm like I really know what it's like to live in need and to live where like we just got it, you know. Yeah, and so, so it's just um, yeah, it's been crazy. Does that make it easier for you to be a recipient? You know, some people have a hard time receiving, uh, but because you were so generous on the other end. Do you think do you think the reason why people have a hard time receiving is because um they were never givers like they know how stingy they've been or do you think uh it's something else or you don't even have to answer that I guess just answer this do you think that plays a part of it being easy for you to receive or am I being presumptuous in saying that it was easy for you to receive Yeah that's a good question um I don't know for other people I mean I'm I'm sure there are lots of reasons why people struggle to receive we didn't struggle mm-hmm. and I guess for me my mindset is it's just, if I'm able to receive like the life and love of God, which is like the greatest gift, like nothing can, can kind of compare to that. Then I, I in my mind, I'm like, I can receive a little money like, yeah. to meet my identity is now rooted and my ability mm-hmm. to serve people, you know, like, yeah. and my, my ability is not, my identity is not rooted in my lack of ability to like serve people either. Like, um, yeah. So, so I don't define myself by what I do, um, but I really believe that who I am is most defined by the fact that I'm loved by God. And that isn't something that just happens overnight. It's something I've learned to live into. And so mm-hmm. it kind of just, it was, it was easy for me, honestly. I did not struggle. When I needed it, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to ask. I'm not going to like wait until the last minute and then be like, hey, y'all, I'm, I'm yeah. hurting. I was just like, you know what? Yeah. It's like, look, we, we see the future. We see what's ahead. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and sometimes we couldn't. We had no choice, you know? Yeah, yeah. Involuntary fasting, right? So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so check this out. Um, you're saying some things that are uh, – you usually challenge me on some of the things you're saying. You, it's kind of like a check. It's like holding up a mirror. Um, and I got to sit with it. And sometimes I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm good. Sometimes I'm like, oh, okay, that's an area I need to think more deeply on. Um, two <laughs> things so far. One, you said uh, just about your uh, being conflicted in the military, you know, mm-hmm. uh, nonviolent in a war, war zone, which is an oxymoron. I'm not there yet, man. Probably one of the most offensive things about the Jesus way uh, mm-hmm. or the biggest stumbling block for me is this nonviolent thing. Um, yeah. While I'm not, you know, man, I don't, you know, I don't get off on going to war. Like, I, I know it's money in war. You know, I don't agree with dropping bombs. Uh, I, I, I'm not pro-war at all. But on the micro level, like like the people who uh, would make arguments of, you know, just protecting my home. Yeah. yeah. I, ain't trying to, I ain't trying to fight nobody else's war. I'm going to mind my own business. However, um, if there's something I'm willing to die for, man, it's, it's to die for my family. Like, cause, because when yeah. I weigh it out, like, would I – would I be able to live knowing that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go ham. Like I didn't go all, go, go all in yeah. just trying to protect them. Like everything yeah. else, like, you know, everything else is secondary, but for my family, like they come from me and mine, I got something for them. And, and, and I'm, and I'm, I am perfectly content, especially like a life insurance. Officer, I am perfectly content with letting that be the reason why I go out, but I wouldn't go out passively, but yeah. Do you, do you want to address that right now, or you feel like that'll take us too far off? Yeah, the trail. I, I think that's okay. I think that's one of the biggest things that people have to wrestle with. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, one of the misconceptions about being nonviolent is that you're passive. And that okay. if somebody, like, was to, like, try to snatch my son, then I'm just going to mm-hmm. be like, you know, here, take another, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> take your cloak, get, give him another cloak. Okay, you want one of my yeah. kids, here, take another one. Um, yeah. No, um, like, without getting technical, and I'm not... Um, not I'm not smart enough to like remember the actual Greek wording, but like even when Jesus talks about like do not resist an evil one, um, in mm-hmm. the language itself, it's not it's don't resist an evil uh, an evil one violently, um, and so it's not that we don't resist violence, it's mm-hmm. just that we choose to resist it nonviolently, um, and so okay. I would definitely like if somebody was to break into my house, I'm definitely going downstairs. And I'm going to like, and so then we have to define, defend, like define what violence is. Um, because if a doctor cuts open somebody doing surgery, it obviously creates a wound, but he's not committing violence um, on a person. Okay. And so for okay. me, like tackling, some, tackling someone, um, grabbing someone, I, honestly, even punching someone or kicking someone in order to like incapacitate them um, is not, I wouldn't define that as violence. Um, I would define violence as like the intent to kill um, and the actual act of killing. Um, and well, that's something I that I even, I, I would never even own up to, to that. Right. I mean, just, you know, when you get your license to carry, they tell you the idea mm-hmm. is to shoot to stop the aggressor. So, but I would shoot. I mean, I'm not trying to take chances with me, you yeah. know, out wrestling, you know, I, I don't even think my mind would go to that. Like I would, I mean, yeah. you, you think you you think in in, in 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 an emergency situation like that, you would be thinking about how to wound but not kill. And I'm I'm asking yeah, respectfully, respectfully. I'm not being yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's something that I I take that very seriously because like I just had a conversation with that with my, one of my friends, and I told him I don't know if I'm there yet because mm-hmm. it's like for me like the self emptying love is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm not there yet. I know that I don't yeah. love in the way that Jesus wants, um, yeah. but I'm, I'm living, I'm, my life is committed to becoming that kind of person. Um, okay. And what I find is that as long as violence is on the, is at least on the table. And as long as we kind of just say, well, I, nobody's perfect. As long as that's on the table, I find that it restricts my imagination for how to actually live into it. Because once it gets difficult to think about it, I kind of just use it as a cop out and I stop. Yeah. And I think as yeah. long as, as long as violence is on the table, like our, our imagination, our way of imagining a different way of being human is, is, mm-hmm. um, is, um, is, is cut short because, you know, like, the, you know, the classic scenario, somebody comes in your house and they got a gun and it, like the way that that narrative is told, it almost assumes like there's only two options, either kill or be killed. That person's like, a robot who's just hell bent on killing you. And like, we don't even know that. Right. Like we don't, so, we don't really know that. Do we want to find out though? Yeah. And, and so for me, that's what I'm working out. Like, I mean, I look at okay. the life of Jesus when he's with the woman who like, there's this violent mob and mm-hmm. they're getting ready to stone her and they have a law to justify it. Um, mm-hmm. And I see that. I'm like, how would I respond? Like, would I just want to attack them first? I don't, because I don't want to, like, risk her getting killed. Um, but I see Jesus having this this imagination, this imaginative way of being human where he was actually able to subvert it 
um, yeah. in the process. And I think that in one hand is like, that is something that I'm, I'm longing to be and I'm learning to look from the types of people who have lived that life. But on the yeah. second hand, it, being nonviolent is not necessarily a strategy to like, to end violence. In fact, it probably will bring more because in, people will hate that it exposes their violent way of life. Um, well, to yeah, me, my got Dr. King to point to, right? I mean, he was yeah, the champion so, of piety and even yeah. if some people would say respectability politics, and uh, that yeah. didn't cause the cessation yeah. of violence. Yeah, and so for me, it's not primarily a strategy um, to end, but rather it's this is what it means to be human in the kingdom of God. Um, and that there was a time when um, there was a time when God permitted violence, but the re- because of the resurrection, um, my, my conviction is that Jesus has invited us into a way of being human where violence is no longer tolerated. And so we're called to be alternative witnesses of this reality. Um, I actually, I remember listening to a podcast the other day. I don't know if you're familiar with those men who were martyred um, in the Middle East. Um, ISIS like cut their heads off on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, at least. Yeah. That's what the story goes. Um, and I, I, I was listening to the person, and the way the Christian faith works is we think that the men who are in charge at that moment are the ones who are doing the killing. Um, but the cross subverts that because it says, no, the ones who are in charge are the men who are laying their lives down. Like, mm. They're the ones who are in charge. They're the ones who are demonstrating the rule of God, which is Because it's the idea of no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Would you say that's kind of at work there? It's it's the feeding of violence. Like, violence wins when we respond with violence, and it just continues the cycle. But we actually overcome through laying our lives down and bearing witness that you don't have the power that you think you have. It's a sham. It's a fox power. And it uh, it takes faith. Be not overcome. It takes faith. Be not overcome with evil. Yeah. It overcome you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing. Yeah, and okay. So it, it, yeah, and so it takes faith. It really does take a scandalous faith to believe that dying for your enemies instead of killing your enemies is actually what it means to conquer them. But we can. But I can believe that because that's what the cross teaches, and I believe that the cross is not just a means, like a. It's not just a strategy to save people, but I believe the cross is actually the the definitive picture of what God is like. And mm-hmm. what God looks like, and what genuine humanness looks like, um, mm-hmm. and so there will be a time when there's there's this vindication of that way of life, and when when Jesus returns and He actually marks out, no, these are my people who have who have loved me, have been faithful even unto death. Um, but but yeah, it, it's really a, it's really a, a tricky thing. So. Can, can you understand people's impatience with that, especially? Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, okay, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't look down on people who are wrestling with that, because um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's an easy thing. Um, I don't think that's an easy thing. Um, so yeah, Christians have. I mean, as long as Christians have 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 like promoted that as Jesus' teaching, there's always like at least in some way been on the back end where Christians are like, no, there's no, there's just war or whatever. And so like, I, I respect that as being under the big tent umbrella of the Christian teaching. And that at, at the very least, we can all agree that the least amount of violence is what we're, we're looking for. Right. Yeah. And, but what I, what I find in what's most popular, like in the churches is like, like 
church demographic is that we're more pro-war than almost anyone else. Um, well, like there, I remember there was, that, there was, oh, go ahead. Do you attribute that to um, people's interpretation of the Old Testament? It seems like, well, God is a God of war, especially in the Old Testament. So that sanctions are. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. there's that, but I think there's like a, a fusion of, of nationalism with the Christian faith. Um, mm, okay, wait, so wait, wait. don't go I, don't, don't go further in there. Hold on, let's walk right <laughs> there. Cause, okay. Cause, yeah, I, I want I don't, I don't want to rush that part right there. Um, yeah. Let's pause right here. Hey, I'm sorry. Listen, Michael isn't holding anything back from us. He shared so much of his heart, and this is just the half. We gotta pause right here, though lest we overwhelm you with all these uh, gems and intimate details. So stay tuned for the continuation of this conversation coming soon. And just like that, it's a wrap. Another episode for the archives. Do you like it? Do you feel it though? Did anything resonate with you? Did it motivate you? So now what? What are you going to do about it? What's your next move? Share your thoughts by emailing fredtalx at mail.com or connect on Twitter at fredtalks, spelled Fred T-A-L-X. Tune in next time for some more gems.